0: morning, everybody. Uh, My name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, Good morning to you. Hey, this morning we are going to tackle two of Jesus's most challenging parables. Uh, And I don't mean that they're challenging to interpret. They're actually pretty straightforward. They are challenging to implement uh, and obey in our lives because Jesus is going to call us this morning to a radical faith, but he's going to show you why it's worth it. And so this will be challenging along the way, okay? Are you ready? Okay, thank you. Uh, three of you are ready, the rest of you buckle up. Okay, grab a Bible, uh, whether you brought your own or used ones here. Uh, we just, This is what we do, we get it out, we study it. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 13 as a church, so you're using the Bibles here. It's uh, page 667. We have been in a series called Parables of Eternity, where we are mostly looking at different parables uh, that Jesus taught uh, that have kind of this flavor of eternity in them. Uh, if you've never heard that word before, a parable, or you're kind of unfamiliar from seventh grade English or whatever, a, a parable is essentially either a story or an illustration that just has like a main point or a main uh, principle. So two really short parables again today. Uh, we're going to start at verse 44. So find that small number 44 on that page, and you should be in the right spot. Okay. Okay, so again, we get two parables, just like last week, about the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, we said last week that the kingdom of heaven is a phrase that's synonymous with the kingdom of God, and both those phrases, when Jesus uses them, is basically to explain what life should be like when we are letting Jesus reign in our hearts uh, and in our lives as king. Okay, so the second parable, if we go to the pearl first, uh, Jesus says that God's kingdom is a pearl of such great value that when the merchant found it, he sold everything that he had just to get that pearl. Because in those days, pearls were incredibly, incredibly valuable, in part because they just didn't have the same diving equipment that we have today. So not a lot of people found pearls. In fact, most people, if they found them, what they did is they went onto the sea, and they started to go down. But before they went down to the sea, they would literally tie rocks to their legs, So they could go down deeper into the sea. And then hopefully you found a pearl while you were down there. And then hopefully you could get the rocks off your legs before you die. I don't know, it's just super intense, right? And so pearls were really, really, really valuable. In fact, about 2,000 to 2,500 years ago, pearls were actually worth their weight in gold, there was so much value in them. And then Jesus makes a similar point about value in the parable of the hidden treasure. That was the treasure that was buried in a field. Now, it may sound weird that you've got this almost like piratey, right? So that there's, there's treasure ar, ar, hidden in the field, right? But it actually was fairly normal in those days because, okay, you don't have any banks, right? And so if you wanted to keep your money safe, especially if your town was being attacked, which happened all too often in those days, what you would do is you would go out, find a place out in a field or whatever, bury your money before the army comes to town, right? But sometimes what would happen is an invading army would come and then that person who had buried their money would be killed. But then a lot of times people didn't know, they didn't tell anyone that they had buried their money. And so thus there literally was buried treasure Around the land of Israel and much of the ancient world. And so the man in this parable, he discovers this hidden treasure, which I don't know, maybe it was there for 300 years, we don't know. And it's so valuable, so infinitely more valuable than anything he owns, that he sells everything he has so he can buy that field, thus so he can get that treasure. And Jesus is teaching that's what the kingdom of God is like. So when you get forgiven, when you get in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and you experience that he is real, that he loves you, he forgives you, that he is walking with you as you journey together towards eternity in heaven, that, that is worth infinitely more than anything else this world could offer you. And if we could see that, if we could really see that, there is nothing that we wouldn't give up to get that. But I just want to ask you, do you believe that? Do you, because this is kind of a radical thing that Jesus is teaching here. Do you believe that it's actually worth everything? I think for many American Christians, we tend to be more like the person who's kind of out wandering in the field somewhere, and then we happen to stumble upon this treasure of Jesus, and we say, oh, well, this is a nice one. And I, this could, I think this could bring me some happiness, maybe some peace. And so I think what I'm gonna do is I'm going to add this into my life along with everything else. But what happens for most people is they start to investigate Jesus and you begin to uh, read the terms and conditions, if you will, of what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus Christ. You read that God actually doesn't want to be just a nice addition that's to, to everything else that's already in your life. He wants to be over all of your life. He wants to be your king. He wants to be over your thoughts, your time, your finances, your actions, your, your happiness, the direction of your life, over everything. This is one of our core values as a church, that we put God first, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to go out then and quit your job and sell all your possessions and spend every last remaining second of your life telling people about Jesus. Biblically, what this means is, as followers of Christ, that we should be able to say, King Jesus, here is my life. There is no area in my life that is off-limits to your word or your will. There is nowhere that you could ask me to go that I would say no. You're my king. There is nothing that you could ask me to give up for you that I wouldn't sell it all for you because you are infinitely more worthy. That's living as if Jesus is who he says he is. By the way, just to be absolutely clear for everyone today, when I say sell, or we talk about sell it all, I'm not literally talking about selling your possessions or giving money. It's a metaphor, it's a metaphor about letting go of anything. I suppose it could be money for someone. But for most of us, it's letting go of any action, any habit, any sin, anything that's getting in the way of us more closely following Jesus. But let me tell you what happens to most people when they read about this actual, real call of Jesus, the radical call of Jesus to follow him. Most of us, we don't really say this out loud, but most of us feel that is too exorbitant of a price to pay. And it would cost us too much if we really followed Jesus like that. And so most Christians, and truthfully, many people who would call themselves a Christian, but they aren't actually a Christian, many, many people end up stuck right here. It's like they've caught a glimpse of the treasure, and they know that it's good. And they know it's really good. But to get it to truly live in it and and, and enjoy it and actually enjoy the reward of the treasure. You know that to do that, you actually have to go into town and you have to sell your donkey and you have to sell your house. You have to sell it all and put Jesus as king over absolutely everything in your life. And so most of us, we, we hesitate right there. And we think, well, I... I want that, but I don't, I, I don't want to give up this. And I don't want to change that, and I don't want to give my time firstly to this. And so let me tell you what the majority of people do. We come out to the land with a treasure, usually about once a week, uh, typically it's on a Sunday, and we look at the treasure. We maybe even take it out, and we sing songs about the treasure. And you maybe study the treasure. And the treasure makes us happy. And every week we think, you know what? I ought to buy the whole field. I ought to give everything to this. But then that thought comes in, you're like, yeah, but then I would have to. And so we put it back. And we just walk away sad. And we go home. Kind of like the rich young ruler in the Bible just walks away sad. Until next week, we come back, and we sing some more songs, and it makes us happy. And then a lot of us, we actually you feel, you ever feel we feel bad in church, because we know what he's calling us to, and we know that we're not. And I think a good portion of the American church is actually right here, stuck in this lukewarm cycle of one foot in and one foot out. But I just I pray as you read God's word today that there is something inside of you that says, I don't want to do that anymore. That there is something inside of you that says, no matter how much it might cost me, I will sell any part of my life that is getting in the way of me following more closely after Jesus. And I would just ask you this morning, what is it in your life personally that is getting in the way Of you just going out to the field and going all in for Jesus. What is it in your life? For some of us, the part of us that we're hesitant to sell off and just truly follow Jesus, for some of us, it's a pattern of sin. You know, maybe it's an addiction that you've just let hang around in your life and you know, if you're going to be fully all in for Jesus, you got to get into recovery. You got to start dealing with this, but you just let it hang around. Maybe it's a pattern of sin of how you've been treating another person. Maybe it's a spouse, a child, unforgiveness that you're holding on to towards a parent. We just let it hang around. But you just hear me, Jesus is the most worthy. There is no sinful habit that you have There's no sinful show that you feel like you just got to keep watching. There's no gossip that you're sharing. There's no bitterness that you're holding on to. There's no sinful app that you've downloaded. No non-believer that you're dating. No affair that you're having. There is nothing that is of greater worth than Jesus Christ. Nothing. Whatever it is you are holding on to, whatever it is you are hiding, I just urge you, sell it all. Be like the man in the parable who just saw how infinitely worthy the treasure was and sold it all. May that be your heart as a Christ follower. For others of us in this room, it may not be that it's really necessarily an outward, obvious, sinful habit that's keeping us from doing this, from selling it all, going after Jesus. For some of us, it's just an issue of we don't like being inconvenienced. Like we know You're smart, and you can go and you can see, okay, the treasure is there, but if I went for it, then I would have to, and that's, that would alter everything in my life. I'd have to change my priorities, I'd have to change my schedule, I'd have to, it would just be a lot, and so we don't do it. We're like the person who sees the treasure in the field, and we want it, we absolutely want it. But we're intimidated by all the work it would take to get it. And you think, well, ah, man, if I'm going to do this, I, I mean, like, I'd have to get on, sell all my possessions on Facebook Marketplace? Oh, it a long, people don't even show up to pick up their stuff. It just take a long time, right? I've got to get a realtor. I've got to list my house. I mean, it's a ton of work. And we're intimidated by what it would take to be all in for Jesus so we never do it and many of you have been stuck in this pattern for 10 years and I just said what are you waiting for? Like you're just waiting for someone to come and point you a path to the treasure of Jesus that doesn't have any inconveniences on it? If somebody comes like that they're a false prophet by the way because that path isn't in this book sell it all Sell it all for Jesus. Go after him above all things. You, okay, listen to me. You are never going to experience the fullness of joy you can have in Jesus if you're not willing to sacrifice first. There is a cost to discipleship. But it's worth it. The treasure's out in the field. Go get it. Sell it all. For still others of us, What's keeping us from fully following Jesus? It's not either of those th- two things. It's our reputation. Now, a lot of people, they hear that word, and they kind of write it off. Say, like, oh, that's not me. But I think, actually, for a lot of us, that is us. It's kind of because you, you would just instinctively know that if you were to be all in for Jesus, and he was first in everything in your life, you kind of know that would cost you relationally, Right? Like if you were with your friends, with your coworkers, if Jesus, more than sports, more than celebrity gossip, more than politics, if Jesus was the first thing that came up, the number one thing on your heart that you talked about, I mean, what would people think of you? If you were the person that was actually directly sharing the gospel with your unsaved family members, I think you just probably know that would cost you something relationally, Right? It's like in America, I feel like we want want Jesus to love us and bless us and answer all of our prayer requests, but Jesus, just make sure that you don't cost us relationally. Don't make me awkwardly talk about you in front of anyone else. Okay, let me ask you something. Okay, think about the word of God here. Think about this parable. The man who bought the field, what do you think his friends thought of him when he started selling all of his stuff? Because I guarantee you that they came up to him and they said, wait, what? What are you doing? You're selling your donkey? Are you nuts? Well, now you're selling your house? Which, this, is, you, this is reckless. No, no field is worth your family's income, your family's safety. You have kids. You need to be responsible. This just isn't normal. By the way, if people talk to you like that, you're probably on the right path. His friends would have thought that he was insane. But he probably looked them right in the eye and he said, I'm going to sell it all. I'm going to sell it all. Why? Because he knows what he's getting is worth infinitely more than what he has. It's worth infinitely more than even his reputation. As a great Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, Can we not give up the applause of people for the sake of Christ? And I would say, do we really love Christ if every time we might be mocked for him, we choose our reputation instead of Christ? You know, still for others of us in this room, I think we're hesitant to go all in for Jesus because we think if I did that, if I did it in every area of my life, especially at work, that would cost me. Some of you think, when I interact with my clients, I can't be thinking like a Christian. I need to be a little bit more worldly in how I interact with them. Some of you are thinking, if, I, if I'm always thinking as a representative of Christ, if I'm 100% honest in every number that I compute, in every deal that I do, if I never fudge the truth at all, then I'm not going to be a successful at work. And so we don't bring Jesus into that area. Others of us, we bow at the security that we think money gives us. Some of you work in environments that are incredibly secular right now. And I, I see a lot of people that are worried that if they stand up for their Christian principles when those policies directly affect them, then it's possible that we could lose our jobs And so what happens is people are burying their Christian faith at work. And thus the experience of the treasure of Jesus Christ remains buried out in the field. Because we're not all in. And honestly, all these things that I'm talking through, all these different scenarios, sin, inconvenience at work, all these things, they're all the same. We are too unwilling to let our Christian faith cost us anything. And so therefore, so few of us are experiencing the true joy of the treasure of Jesus. And I would just ask you, is what you are choosing better than Jesus? Okay, if, an, if this book is right and an eternity is really waiting for you, just think logically with me. If there are billions and billions and billions and billions of years coming from you, then what then is an earthly reputation? Over Christ. Uh, what then is pleasing other people? What, what even is money? Uh, what is earthly power? What is temporary pleasure? What is any of those things compared to the kingdom life that Jesus offers you? My friends, I, as your pastor, I just urge you if there is anything in your life, anything, sin, addiction, habits, fear, anything, sell it all. Choose Jesus. Over everything. Over everything. Now, if you're like most people and you do have the Holy Spirit in you, I am believing right now that there is something in you that says, I want this. I want the treasure. I want this. I want this again. But there is also something in you that says, But I have tried this before and it is hard. And often, honestly, it just doesn't work, it's too hard. Let me tell you why I think people are so unsuccessful in it and why they think it's too hard. We need to look at the examples from Scripture. So let's look at the Apostle Paul, for example. So Apostle Paul, he had a lot, right? He gave up a ton in his old life. Notoriety, power, the appearance of righteousness. In fact, if you read Philippians chapter 3, he talks about all the things that he once had before Christ. And then in verse 8, he says this. What is more, I consider everything, that's all the things that he used to have, all those old possessions, everything. A loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them, all those old things, I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ. So all the power, all the status, all the things that he's accomplished, he can leave them behind. Why? Because he's walking towards Christ. He's not just walking away from something, he's walking To something. Okay, maybe you missed something really important when we read through this the first time. There is a word in here that I think is so incredibly important for us in our cultural context as modern day Christians. So get this out again. I just just have to show you this word. So open it up. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven... It's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his somebody shout out that next word. Joy. joy in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. The man is not going, "Oh, I'm selling all my possessions. This is awful. It's so painful." I just, oh, it's just so, he is giddy on the way to go by that feel And we have got to get this part of the passage. And honestly, most people don't, and I just want to tell you, it is a huge part of why we have so few sold-out Christians in America. Because let me tell you, unfortunately, what so many Christians hear, when they hear a message like this, or they read a part of the Bible like this when Jesus is calling them to radical faith. Let me interpret you through a lens what people hear. They hear Jesus Christ saying to them, You need to surrender all of the parts that you haven't yet surrendered to me. And then you need to feel gloomy about how I ruined your life. But at least you're surrendered to me. I think that's what so many people hear. But if that's how you think about it, if you only see the part of the story where you have to sell it all, then you never will. You just won't. You'll just keep coming back out once a week, visiting the treasure, and you will go home with a lukewarm faith. And I think this is this is this is our problem. We are only looking at the selling part. We're saying, oh, I just gotta be a better Christian. I gotta stop doing that. And I gotta stop. I gotta, I just, I gotta. But the man did not get his joy by looking backwards. He got it by looking ahead. He got his joy by looking at the treasure. See, our main problem isn't that we're not repenting hard enough. Our main problem is we are not enraptured with Jesus enough. Come with me. Look harder. Come. Look, look at the Son of God. He's the Son of God. There with God and the Holy Spirit at the beginning, creator of galaxies, coming to earth for you, loving, teaching, dying on the cross, brutally executed. Why? To pay for your sin. All your mistakes, all of your sin. He does it for you. He's with you every day. Every minute, every second. Waking, sleeping. For the believers, the Bible says he has such joy over you. He dances over you. He's preparing a place for you in heaven. This is the son of God. Look at him again. Treasure the treasure again. Because what will give you the motivation, the passion, the power to run in joy towards the treasure of Jesus again is you letting your heart be enraptured with Jesus again. Come to Him again. Look at Him again. And I'm just going to tell you, whatever, whatever it is, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is you've been letting get in the way of you following Jesus, know that He is better. He is better. So sell it all. Run to the treasure. Let me pray. Oh, Jesus, we pray that you would give us the clarity to see you in your glory, to see you as the treasure, that you are worth it, that your love is better. It's better than anything. And may we run to you today, God. May we put anything that's blocking us away. May we cast it down at your feet. And God, now as we worship you, we just surrender those parts to you that are getting in the way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.